0: Welcome to Flick Sixty Six. We're back for our early October episode. With me, as always, are professors Nate Bell let's and Ryan Isaac, and I'm Dr. Thomas Parham, Executive Director of Screenwriting at Azusa Pacific University. Boy, last weekend biggest box office ever for October. Wow! <laughs> and our two films, the two big openers, were Venom and A Star Is Born. Mm. Let's let's go backwards. Uh, right. have you seen Star is Born yet? Yeah, I don't think I can talk about it. I'm
1: too emotionally disturbed. Whoa. Seriously? No, I mean, it just, it. Um, yeah, that, that film got me, for sure.
2: Oh, wow. It hit you in the right way?
1: Right way, wrong way, I don't know. Yeah. It hit me. I'm still right. sitting on it, to yeah. be honest.
0: Yeah. Um, I,
2: I have a friend who was just devastated by that film. For some reason. Are you serious? Did you see it, Tom?
0: Not yet. No, okay. it's on yeah. my list.
1: Yeah, me too.
2: It's I... on my list.
0: I mean, this is the fourth time this story's mm-hmm. been told. yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I gotta say though that my favorite part about it is uh, Cooper's direction. Mm-hmm. He chooses to do almost the entire film in close up,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's uh, a good decision. It's extremely. It, yeah, it's I I can't think of a time that I watched a movie over two hours where the audience was just captivated on words alone.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: And their expression, because you're just watching them act in like close up,
0: um, and it, and this Gaga is amazing as everybody says. She didn't blow me away as,
1: as as much as I expected, but I'd already seen her act, and she's a good actress. She didn't blow me away. She did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, Bradley Cooper's the one that broke my heart because I think he has there's there's a lot underneath the surface of his performance, and mm-hmm. I mean the, it, it, the movie doesn't work without both of them. You you, you can't say it's either one of them. It's it's impossible. So yeah, it's hard for me to be like, oh, Lady Gaga was because it,
0: yeah, I don't. They were both great, but it's interesting because um, this is the longest between remakes of the Star Is Born. Was the ori- original version was that twenties or thirties? The original was 37. 30s, 30s. Yeah, and then the remake, which is acclaimed as the best of the four, is the, Judy, Judy Garland and James yeah. Mason from the fifties, mm-hmm. and then there's the seventies version, which is Barbra Streisand's "Pian to herself, which. There's a great song in it, and that's about all I can say for the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this new one, the yeah. critics are like, this is really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of them were surprised that Gaga has a legitimately amazing mm-hmm. singing voice. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the way she's lit, just judging by the trailers, I mean, she's lit naturalistically, but like lovingly. Does that make sense? Does she come across as a, you know, she doesn't come across as like that fake glamorous. Well, there's, right?
1: there's, 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 there's Different elements. Um, there's the scenes where the natural scenes with her and and Bradley Cooper. Then mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of scenes under neon lights mm-hmm. in bars and right. clubs, right. so they're they're washed in blue light or in red light. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are scenes where there's more glamour when she's starting to become a star. Mm-hmm. So there are, but yeah, there is some of that yeah. really natural, which I think goes along with the close-ups where it's it's not about the glitz and glamour, even though they're in that world. It's about the raw emotions of these people, mm-hmm. um, which is what makes it such a powerful film. I think. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's fascinating that all four versions share, and I guess the first two are set in the film industry, the second two in the music industry, but all of them have the common theme that fame is not all it's cracked up to be. This one
1: is kinder to fame than the other ones have been. This one is far more just about the intricacies of these individual people. Their 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 character flaws and their relationships, their personalities, their backgrounds, what they've been through. So yeah, there's elements of fame, but it's really not the focus, and not even so much more in the other films. It's Mm. barely a fraction in this one. Mm. Interesting. Yeah,
0: I'm pulling for Cooper because we know how Hollywood loves it when people, when actors do something besides just act. Mm -hmm. Well, he
1: wrote, directed, and did some of the music. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and he's good. Really.
0: I mean, he's it really sounded so good. That's the yeah. thing. Is,
1: like, I think that's why I went in knowing Lady Gaga can sing. I went in knowing from American Horror Story she can act. And yeah, she went above that, but I, I didn't expect to see the full uh, spectrum from Cooper. Hmm. I've seen him be dramatic. Um, but this was a different kind of dramatic. This was oh, a softer dramatic, it, a less showy dramatic. Did it remind it, you at all? Did you see Crazy Heart? Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Um, it, 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 there are similarities because there is there is a lot with alcoholism in the film mm-hmm. much more than with fame um, so there is some that uh crazy heart for sure but I'm trying to think what else it reminded me of mm-hmm. rather than that mm-hmm. but yeah it devastating it's just wow. you 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 spend so much time with these two characters you really start to feel like you're getting to know them in a way that you don't see in many movies
0: these days. So that's so that's a combination of the script and the direction and the acting. Yeah, wow. it, it all. I think it all. Here's what I was when I was
1: watching. I was I was thinking. I was thinking. I'm I'm amazed at the scope that they have been able to get into the intimacy of these two lives. Even though it's intimate, the scope feels spectacular. You feel like you start to love these characters, like you know them. Which is which is rare when you start to get all the supporting characters coming in and intruding the storyline. It's because of the close-ups, because of the screenplay. It's so dialed in on these two characters um, that you just feel like you understand their emotions. I don't know. I feel like a raw nerve after watching. It. I
0: just saw it, so yeah. It, it made forty million dollars, and uh, even though the uh, the movie that won the box office was twice as much. The thing about Star is Born is. Predominantly women, I think two thirds of the audience opening weekend were its women, and also older audiences. So you know, fall does mean adult films are finally here.
1: Yeah, every every trailer um, I saw this morning when I was at the movie was uh, based on a true story, based on this musician's life, based on this person's life. Uh, I'm ready for every single story to be both a political, uh, have a political
0: mm. um,
1: agenda, mm-hmm. and to be based on something from.
0: Mm. Well, let's talk about the film that won the box office last weekend. I'm <laughs> laughing because Venom was number one. Mm-hmm. And it made $80 million, including $10 million Thursday night previews, mm. which is pretty substantial. And it's got a Rotten Tomato score of, what, like 17 or 27? It's wow. just a really low, you know,
2: currently ridiculous,
0: ridiculously low Rotten yeah. Tomato score. Yeah. But you can't tell people what not to like. Exactly. And, Ryan, you saw it, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody will ever mistake Venom for a great movie.
3: <laughs>
2: it's got a great star in it, though. I think that, but it's that fun. helps,
0: right? Yeah. It's fun. It I, knows heard it was, it's, I heard it was funny, it, too. It's comedy. It's It knows it's, it, it's, it's, yeah. it, it it's kind of trashy. hmm Yeah. But it revels in that. Mm-hmm in my opinion, I'm kind of a loser too. <laughs> what? What? Who wrote
1: that? And i
3: want to shake their
1: hand for having the guts to put something that
0: bad in the movie. The Creative Screenwriting Magazine actually has an interview with the writer. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Time if you watch. put a bunch of, he's like the white Sam Jackson. <laughs> because if you put versions of Tom Hardy in different films, it's like, that's the same dude. Yeah, yeah. But, exactly. um, I don't know what he's doing in this movie. <laughs>
2: Collecting a paycheck, apparently. But aside from that, no, I mean, literally,
0: I don't know what he's doing yeah. in this movie. I don't know what, his, what he's uh, doing with his character. See, I felt
1: like I knew what he was doing. I felt like he was he was following a slapstick tradition. I felt hmm. like I was watching a slapstick comedy because <laughs> I watched
0: mm-hmm. it. There is that element to it.
1: There is. I mean, when, the, when he's not in control of his body, mm-hmm. there's that kind of, like, you know, he's being tossed around hmm. like a rag doll.
2: How close to the humor was, like, Deadpool. Right? It's that. Of, no, see, yeah, I, I think it, it is. is. You if think you, it is? If
1: you take out the R-rated stuff, it's it, it's it's that, that same kind of smirking. Kind yeah, of it's a wink and a nod. Thing. I think not as not as postmodern, not as meta really. as Deadpool. It's not meta but, really at all. Um, <laughs> but it has that. I don't know. I I maybe it's the similarities in the in the anti superheroes, the The anti hero element
0: of their characters. I mean, part of the tricky things about doing a Venom movie without Spider-Man in it, and spoiler alert, despite rumors to the contrary, Tom, uh, what's the kid's name? Uh, Tom Holland, Mm -hmm. who is our Marvel Cinematic Universe, shared between Sony and Marvel Studios Spider-Man, is, does not make a cameo in the movie. That he did. Shh. Thank you. I know, I know, I'm just, JK, but, um... Yeah, it's weird though because Venom is a Spider-Man villain, and it's weird to do a Spider-Man villain movie without a Mm Spider-Man in it. mm -hmm. So, but you know, they it it kind of works. Yeah, (laughs) and it worked for eighty million dollars worth of ticket sales. We'll see what the audience is like for a second weekend, but uh, Mm -hmm. I think the audience exit scores were pretty like B plus. I mean, they were pretty high. When did you see it? Friday night. I no, I saw it opening day. Okay, I saw so, it uh, IMAX, baby. It I saw it. IMAX Burbank at. It was a pretty cool house at the Oh right yeah, places? they were digging it. Yeah. They were they were totally mm-hmm. into it. Cool. And and I don't know what Michelle Williams was doing in this movie. Literally mm-hmm. bad acting. Is what she was doing. <laughs> yeah, it's like why is she in here? And is that the dude from Veep? It was. <laughs> yeah. And and random and Riz, Riz Ahmed from uh, The Night of mm-hmm. and. Rogue One and a bunch of other stuff. Um, it's such a strange movie mm-hmm. in terms of it shouldn't work at all. It didn't for a lot of critics, mm-hmm. but it did for audiences. Mm-hmm. So you know, Sony's happy. Wow. Interesting. And I'm sure we'll get Venom too. Of course. Electric yeah. Boogaloo. Here. <laughs> Anything else to add, Rye? Not really. <laughs> Were you? I mean, you're kind of smirking or scowling, or.
1: No, I mean, I I, I enjoy Tom Hardy. I'll, I. Tom Hardy released a video where he read a children's book, mm. and it was fascinating. <laughs> like, that guy can can read legal documents. all was <laughs> <I'll watch. laughs> the film badly made? Like in terms of like just directed the action scenes? It's, scene it's poorly written. Right? I wouldn't yeah. say it's poorly. It's, made. Competently, it's competently. It's competently. It's competently filmed. filmed. It was a bad script, mm. and it's clearly been edited to make it a PG thirteen. Right. There's right. there's images that I, I guarantee will show up in an mm-hmm.
0: unrated. Comedy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because he bites. Venom bites people's heads off. Mm. But it's
1: poorly chopped. We, we don't
0: is, we don't see that. Okay. But I'm sure that the unrated version of Venom. Yeah. The first yeah.
1: time he, he bites a head off, it's so it's so choppily edited that mm. it's it's clear something happened. It feels like you're watching something that's been edited for TV. Okay. Oh, where they say the for word and suddenly it right. turns out, You fool and they're yeah. you know. <laughs> It's not
0: quite as bad as, you know, dub Godzilla movies, but Yeah. Just a step yeah. above, like half step. Um, so we're a couple weeks into the new fall TV season, and right now the early hits seem to be Manifest on NBC, New Amsterdam also on NBC, Godfriended Me on CBS, and FBI on CBS. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about at least one of these, sh- a couple of these shows for our feature story. Um, yeah, there's nothing that really reaches out and grabs me for the fall shows, I mean, there's stuff that's entertaining and diverting, and yeah, this is okay, but there's something that's like, I gotta get, there's no appointment television so far for the networks. Um, has anybody seen the Murphy Brown revival? No, I have not. It's I just, it I'm, well. I was such a big fan of the original series, at least initially before they got too political with the whole Dan Quayle feud and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's just, for me, it's just, not, it's not working for me yet. Second episode was a little bit better than the first, but the pilot was so heavy-handed and it's anti-Trump. It's like, oh come, just tell me a story, please. And you know the old-timer cast. It sometimes it feels like, hey, I'm back. (laughs) Did you miss us? I love it. So a little bit more presentational acting style for contemporary television.
2: Who is it? Is it trying to capture a younger audience though this time? I mean, it's a new <sighs> generation has passed. So.
0: There is uh, Jake McDorman from Limitless, mm-hmm. and also uh, he had a supporting role in American Sniper, mm-hmm. both Bradley Cooper projects. Right. Uh, he plays Murphy's grown son, mm-hmm. Avery, mm-hmm. and the the fun twist is he gets hired by the Wolf Network, get it, Wolf Network, to be their token liberal. And his show <laughs> is programmed in the same time slot as Murphy's show. Oh, so oh, mom and mom and son <laughs> are direct competitors. So far, they haven't made any any good yeah. use of that yet. But it's too. just so heavy-handed and obvious. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you guys are better than this. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're not anymore. You never know. People oh. don't like being talked down to. They, you know, well, this is like not a show that right. conservatives are going to turn to naturally right, right. to begin with.
3: Mm-hmm. but
0: I'm just, as, as somebody who loved the very first spec script I wrote, which mm-hmm. got me a job offer at the Family Channel, was a Murphy Brown spec early in the series run, and this just doesn't hold a candle, and it's doing okay. If not, it's not a big hit ratings-wise. It mm-hmm. does come up quite a bit in uh, the plus three when they account for DVRs, and social media impact is pretty good, mm-hmm. but I still think, and they've added a couple younger characters to kind right. of, but... It's on CBS. You're mm-hmm. not going to get a lot of young viewers on CBS That's true. That's true. by accident. <laughs> hmm. uh, in terms of returns, Last Man Standing jumped uh, networks from ABC to Fox mm-hmm. with a with a year's hiatus. Mm-hmm. It gave Fox its biggest Friday ratings in 18 years. Good heavens! And wow. I, I'm sorry, I watched snippets of the the ABC version and just not my jam. Sure. Home improvement, he has three sons. So on this show, he's got three daughters and he's Mm -hmm. a dude and he doesn't get women. Mm -hmm. Hilarity ensues. (laughs) It's like some of these shows. I watched The Neighborhood on CBS last night where the whole premise is the white family moves into a black neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) It was so, (laughs) I wouldn't even say borderline (laughs) offensive, Mm -hmm. but the thing it wasn't, it wasn't funny Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And it's got, I mean, I like Cedric the Entertainer, I like Mike Greenfield. It's well cast, but it's not well written. I just don't I don't, I guess I don't like the, the I've only seen the advertisements
1: for it, but it seems like the big humor, the big joke is look at the black family being racist towards the white family.
0: That's mm. a not funny and B not funny. Mm. Yeah,
1: but it's it's I yeah, mean, it's
2: just weird. it might have been funny in
0: the 70s with the Jeffersons, but this is 40 plus years later.
1: Yeah. And, it, and yeah, it also feels a lot like, uh, what's Max Greenfield going to do now that the new girls off? We got to find him oh another sitcom. What's
0: What's Beth Bears going to do now that Two Broke Girls yeah, is off? Yeah, exactly. Hey, they'll play a married couple. Um, and Tim Allen still
2: has incredible, I mean,
0: appeal. Appeal, yeah. And, well, you know what's really interesting about the fact that Last Man Standing is doing fantastic on mm-hmm. Fox is the fact that this is Fox used to be the You know, the very trendy, youth-oriented, liberal, progressive network. And now they move this show with a conservative star and get huge numbers. So it's almost like the networks are switching identities.
1: (laughs) And Fox is the one that has been notorious in the past for for canceling shows everyone loves.
0: Yeah. And they grab
1: a show that was notoriously, uh, everyone was angry that got canceled. Like, why did this get canceled? The ratings were great. And Fox is like, oh, we learned from our mistakes. Now we're going to. Look that
3: one up.
0: And the other return that made news uh, is The Walking Dead premiered season nine Sunday. And they're advertising heavily. These are Rick Grimes' final episodes. Lowest premiere ever for Walking Dead. Really? I really think that that AMC messed up by trying to extend I mean, the average shelf life of a television show is like seven years. Yeah. And trying to milk the cash cow till her teats bleed, bled was not a wise strategy because you've got all these stars leaving the show and your audiences are leaving the show. Uh, on a sad note, Scott Wilson, who played Herschel the first few seasons right. of the show, passed this weekend due to cancer. Great actor. And uh, that was one of the things, because he was the moral core of the show and when they killed him off. Right. Although he did film a cameo for an episode later this season. Uh, Is anybody still watching The Walking Dead? I am a season behind. You're still watching it?
3: I watch it on Netflix,
0: yeah. I'm a completionist. If I start something, I finish it. Oh, I'm not. I'm like, if you, you know, if I break up with a show, it's like, I'm not going back. It's like, (laughs) we're done!
2: (laughs) See, I'm committed. I don't break up. I'm the opposite of the completist. I never get involved.
3: It's like me in high school. I never date. I never, ah, never. I you know, you're a programming
2: player, is what you are. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I am sad about Scott Wilson. He was a terrific actor. Oh yeah. He he. I guess his breakthrough role was um, fifty plus years ago in In Cold Blood. The Truman Capote. The Truman adaptation. Capote. A great movie. Great movie and a great performance. And he's in a, a very quirky uh, film called The Ninth Configuration, which was. Written and directed by William Peter Blatty, right after oh. he did *The Exorcist*. Wow, I did not he, know that. He plays an astronaut who kind of cracks up right before a launch and is consigned to a, um, you know, an institution for for veterans. And uh, Stacey Keach plays the psychiatrist um, assigned to his case. But he has secrets too, and it's got an incredible twist in it. Tommy. Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: Did you guys get that, everyone. It wouldn't be a podcast without yeah. Nate mentioning <laughs>
0: that. <laughs> 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 oh, you hear it here first. <laughs> <laughs> <There's> what's, <laughs> what's
2: the name of it again? Called the Ninth Configuration.
0: I the Ninth Configuration. It, yeah.
2: yeah, and it was made in late '70s. So mm-hmm. right, right when the writer director was kind of you know, p- at peak fame right yeah. after Exorcist, and mm. this is the film he made, and I think it was a total flop. I'm sure it was. But it, uh, again, you know, it found an audience later, and uh, it's got an incredible image in it that made me um, think of the uh, controversy about the moon and the
0: um, <laughs> oh, flag. Anyway, right, I don't right, want to spoil right. it for we you, but it's, it's a
2: great image, yeah. We'll do that in a couple
0: right of weeks. <laughs> um, other news, we'll start with TV news and with film news. Uh, the Doctor Who premiere, I think it's the season 11 premiere. By season 11, we mean of the new series mm. after they rebooted or a soft reboot from the ninth doctor on mm. but the 13th doctor with Jodie Whittaker mm. with a female doctor right
1: huge
0: ratings and for the most part uh, well received critically in the UK 40% share which is pretty freaking big
2: it's never been bigger has it i mean <clears throat> doctor who
0: is 54 years <clears throat> old yeah. i mean it's going strong it's, it's bulletproof man so, uh my wife and i watched uh watched the episode last night, we really liked it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a natural. Certain mannerisms she has reminds me of past Doctors, especially mm-hmm. uh David Tennant, who is the Tenth Doctor. Mm-hmm. But the supporting cast is strong, and some of my nerd friends didn't like the writing as much as they like Jodie Whittaker. Mm-hmm. But no Whovians among the two of you?
1: I- I've watched it. I, you know... It's hard for me as a completionist because it's incomplete. <laughs> there's so many missing episodes. So I it, it there's reconstructions, brain... Ryan. Yeah, but not all of them. I it know. It makes my brain scramble. Uh, but yeah, no, I've watched I've, I've watched some of the new. I've watched some of the old. Yeah. Um, I, it's hard for me because I I do feel like I have to like start at the beginning of the story. So starting in the middle, even though there is no really beginning or end, it's just a continuation of. I mean, it's like uh, any of the NCIS or whatever. (laughs) You know the format. That's all you really need to know. Right,
3: right.
0: And um, big news from Disney coming out of uh, New York Comic Con last week. They have announced the first Star Wars live-action TV show, The Mandalorian, Mm -hmm. from executive producer Jon Favreau, for their streaming service as of yet unnamed, which debuts next year. And they've also announced a gender-flipped High Fidelity series, no, no, nope. Z- nope. with Zoe Kravitz as the lead, just no.
1: Nope. I, I I take major issue with that because the book, the description in the back of the book, uh, is a quote from a, one of the critics saying, um, "Guys, don't let your girlfriends read this book. She'll understand all of our secrets." It's a book uh, that's supposed to give the insight into a guy's mind, right? And it's, it, I have no problem with the another story doing the same for women but like that book is like that is the book that i say all right this is how guys think read this book hmm. so to to gender swap it i think you're going to lose some of the nuance of
3: that
0: hmm. i wonder if nick Hornsby is involved at all.
1: yeah i i would be interested i mean he's he has shifted in recent years to doing more of the female perspective in his, his screenplays so
2: did you catch high fidelity when it first came out oh yeah.
0: Uh-huh. oh yeah oh so yeah that was so out. good
2: Crucial yeah. time, right? That was late '90s. That was
0: Jack Black's breakthrough film, right? Yeah, well, that's right. The, that's uh, right. Hornby or Hor- it's Hornby, Horn- right? Hornby. Hornby yeah. yeah. So I, I had Hornby. an S that shouldn't have been there. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I like Zoe Kravitz. I'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much stuff streaming these days. It's ridiculous. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and and the fact that everybody wants you to spend wants you to fork over money for a new one, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, DC Universe our DC Universe went live last month and Titans, their uh, the first of their exclusive you know original mm-hmm. series, debuts this Friday. So I'll be interested. Um, I just... Look, I had no
1: problem with the Ghostbusters gender flip. I had no problem with the Ocean's 8 gender because it had nothing to do with their gender. But what if we uh, said, I don't know, what's a female narrative? that, that
0: Bridget Jones Diary. Yeah, what if we said Bridget
1: Jones Diary and now we're going to do the male version? Like, <laughs> is
0: he going to be worried
1: about his weight? Is that what the issue is going mm-hmm. to be? Like, you know, what I mean, there's certain issues mm-hmm. that and now I'm I'm getting into murky territory. But I just feel like there's certain issues feel, that yeah. lend themselves to yeah. certain genders, and, and I just don't see. I don't get it.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't know how successful that would be. Uh, I I'm not sure. I mean, her character is pretty much the same, right, as the John Cusack character I mean, in terms of temperament. Or are they totally changing? Um, we don't know yet from the ground up we we
0: all all we know is that they is they've announced an adaptation mm-hmm. with the gender flip right and, and, it, and it was the first original series announced for Disney streaming service
2: and what's Zoe Kravitzs um, uh, kind of breakthrough uh, show or movie what was her name?
0: oh she was in pretty she was in big little lies mm-hmm. I mean she's done a bunch of stuff
1: right right okay so yeah I'm just curious to know then if yeah, not even just with the main character, but the storyline in, in the original one is that she, her, the girlfriend leaves him to be with someone else in the movie. It's Tim Robbins, and it's fantastic. Right. But I wonder if audiences will be as sympathetic to a guy that leaves to be with another woman as they would be. I feel like that almost would come off as unsympathetic. I don't know.
0: I think another problem, too, is how do you take something that was written to be a complete story and stretch it out into Series. Yeah, that's an issue. That's I mean, you know. because there is a beginning and mi- end. Yeah, that story. so I don't know. <laughs> we shall see. Speaking of Disney, as the Fox merger looms or the Fox acquisition looms, still looming, <laughs> the uh, four key Fox Television execs are headed to Disney, and Ben Sherman from Disney Television is going to be out of a job. They've they've announced. And meanwhile, at the Fox studio, a bunch of staffers are bracing for layoffs. So, Mm. an interesting time for those two uh, media conglomerates. Uh, Fresh off the press, Warner Brothers is wooing James Gunn for a Suicide Squad movie. And this, it gets even better. It's not going to be a sequel to the Suicide Squad movie we've seen. Mm -hmm. It's going to be basically an all-new, all-different Suicide Squad. Oh, my. Or, I don't know. You know, that movie was so bad, and I know the comics pretty well, and none of the characters were in character. It would be interesting to see what James Gunn do, does with Suicide Squad, but, you know, some some people are like, oh, keep most of the cast except for get rid of Jared Leto. He sucked as Joker. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm just so over... I'm looking forward to Aquaman, but, man, the, the lineup of these DC... Seems like a low end assignment though. Are just? Yeah. We mean a low end. I mean, assignment? For,
2: for for a comic book movie, that seems like the one nobody is, seems to be fighting
0: over. Dude, fight no, Suicide Squad was kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy mm. for the first wave of DC <clears throat> movies. But so who better thing, to do it than the dude who did Guardians of the Galaxy? That
2: latest controversy with James Gunn and stuff. You know. What did, about it? Well, that didn't seem to harm his uh, reputation or put him in probation.
1: I'll listen.
3: Ooh, I don't say know. what?
2: Well, I'm just talking about the tweets. That's all. Yeah. And his. Um... No, for, Sorry. For, for for our listeners. Oh, Philosene. Uh, okay. Oh, just. No, he he got in some trouble, right, with with Disney when they. With some old tweets. Dug out some old tweets that made uh, pedophile jokes, right? That's the one, right? Okay. Is that the one? Yeah. No, I just sure? I just watched.
3: Well, of course. To...
2: Yeah, I don't have an opinion on that. Uh, I I have not read those tweets. I haven't yeah, I've been I've, following the story, but either. I mean that. Seems to be, um, I mean, damning in some, I mean areas of even Hollywood. You know, after the, that, to well, be consigned to uh,
0: a a problem with with the whole thing is it. they were really, I mean, they were like a decade old. Mm-hmm. I'm not defending them. I haven't read them. Don't plan to. Mm-hmm. But it just seems that with the the political atmosphere in the country in this country right now, where people are just you know left, left, right, right. Um, People were so contentious about everything. So, um, but we knew he was going to land on his feet. Let mm-hmm. me face really? it. Really, I didn't. know Oh that. yeah, because he's that. made pe- he made Disney a lot of money, mm-hmm. and basically, you know, I think it was Alan Horn who made the decision to, you know, to toss him. Trust me, I'm sure he will cry in his big go home and cry in his big pile of money mm. because he was pay or play. But um, I
2: didn't mean to drag all of that in. I just I was a little surprised when I saw his name so soon attached to a big I mean, oh, I'm, it, not, it's,
0: I'm it's, not surprised. It's
1: been dragged in, uh, so let's address it. I, I personally think that the wave of the Me Too movement, Times Up has has passed. We'll have after effects of it, but the like movements, the like how often do you hear Black Lives Matter anymore? People get like real into these movements momentarily. Mm-hmm. And I think that
0: it's going to go back to business as usual. We had
1: we've had that in the past, where where we've had you know.
0: Even though Les Moonves got sacked from CBS and Weinstein's gone and you know, no, because they had
1: they, I mean I have been talking about in my film history class. We saw that in the twenties, uh, was it twenties? Yeah, with um um Batty Arbuckle, mm-hmm. it it. it even though he was exonerated, it doesn't matter. Public Still ruined his career. Something. Public opinion means something. Only because Hollywood realizes that their page their money, their bottom line, depends upon it. Same thing with Hollywood Ten. It didn't matter about guilt. It was the just the image was enough to push them out. And during all right. of that, you know, movement, mm-hmm. it, it was even just getting accused was enough for you to disappear from the spotlight. We still have not seen much of Louis C.K. despite the fact that he was everywhere before the accusations. Mm-hmm. And nothing that he did could be uh, – he, he's not hes not getting – he's not going to be a next Bill Cosby. He's not going to court over his things, but it doesn't really matter. But what I'm saying is that these movements we've seen in the past, they happen they so that Hollywood can be like, look, we're cleaning house. And then when people forget, it's just business as usual because Hollywood doesn't really care about victims. They care about the money. And once people forget, they're just going to go back. So James Gunn, I think, came. his controversy was at the tail end and people had started to lose their their anger, their fervor. Yeah. So I think that personally is why he's gotten yeah. away with it. But that's my opinion. I don't know. It's
0: very cynical, right?
1: <laughs> I've, I've grown more cynical the more mm-hmm. that I, you know... The, the movie industry is about money. Anyone that tries to see anything else, yeah, maybe I'm cynical, but I... It, it's
0: not called show morality. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, not exactly. called show art. It's called show business. Mm-hmm. I may be
1: cynical, but I'm not naive. I'll just say that. Oh, snap.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Anna Perna has dropped the Fox News movie, which, had, uh, which has Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Malcolm McDowell as uh, Rupert Murdoch. Which is interesting because they just cast McDowell like a couple of days ago, but this morning it was announced they are no longer doing that. So, mm, why do you think? Don't know. Although I did see a little uh, before uh, we started rec- we started uh, recording. Evidently, there is some shakeups at Annapurna itself, and they also dropped a project that Jennifer Lopez was doing. Mm. So, interesting. Not and know. speaking of music, if you can call it what J Lo does is music. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. I think she's a great dancer, and she's a so-so singer. <laughs> um, There is a greatest showman all-star album in the works. Cricket. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, they, they used uh, one of the songs on The Voice the other night, oh, so I'm not surprised. Yeah. Which one? This is me? The No, the one um, that the, the the famous singer sings on stage.
0: Oh, Jenny Lin?
1: Yeah, cuz the voice um for that was actually someone from I think The Voice.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It wasn't that actress's voice. Right. She can sing, but they used someone else's voice. And I think it was one of the performers, one of the contestants from The Voice. Mm-hmm. So that might be why they had the rights or I don't know. Oh, interesting. So,
0: yeah, we, we we will talk about greatest showman when we talk, when we discuss uh based on true stories in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um any other thoughts about news that's going on? Anybody else heard anything interesting? Or no, not so much. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Nothing that's, that's comes to mind. Let's move yeah. on to this week's mm-hmm. features. St- our feature story. Give me that primetime religion. It's like that old there gospel go. song. Um, there's right. a lot of shows. You can have it, Tom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of shows this fall that have uh, spiritual elements to it. Some mm-hmm. of them. Are at the forefront, such as NBC's *Manifest* and CBS' *God friended Me*, mm-hmm. and others are a little bit more subtle in their approach. Um, anybody see *Manifest*? Yeah.
1: Sorry, I mean
0: to. I so. I don't it's disagree America's with thing. you. Yeah. My issue, actually, I'll let you go first since I've been speaking.
1: Well, up. I honestly, you're asking me to, to consider *Manifest* and *God friended Me* when, to me, they're the same movie with different tones or the same show with different tones. One's dramatic and one's comedic but they're both God's gonna give you signs and you're going to be his soldier and it's not a choice. Free will is gone because he's going to put voices in your head and torture you until you do what he tells you to. I don't like that. I'm sorry. Mm. That's not Christianity to me. That's some like weird idea. Plus, the main character in both of those shows either atheists or uh, relapsed Christians so we have this evangelism porn where this fantasy of like, oh, we're going to save them, this character that is lost. And now they get to be saved over the arc of the show. And I see that within the 15
0: minutes of the pilot. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. My issue with Manifest, I thought it was just so heavy-handed. Especially since that's not what the pitch of the show is about. It's supposed to be the air quotes, grace notes of the show. But when you have Somebody's embroidered a pillow with Romans eight twenty eight and 40 I'm just like, episodes.
1: how many times do we see a, a Bible verse somewhere? They they would show us like a close up of a Bible Bible verse like yeah. four or five times in the. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh no, I, I just thought it was very inarticulate. Is that a word? If it's not, I just coined it. No, um, I, I just thought it was so obvious and heavy-handed. heavy it's handed. I think like, it's perfect. Oh, mm-hmm. didactic. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I I didn't sorry I, mean, uh, no, 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 I, I didn't on. know because the
1: advertisements for the show don't tell you any of the spirituality the religion elements and they they make you think oh it's another Lost mm. it's not which it's... I'm
0: sure is how it was
2: pitched right right it seemed on the surface just exactly like that no. but and even... ten years has passed so you know. Tell you what it is. Oh, yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm.
1: just touch. It's just Eli Stone. It's just touched by an angel. Mm-hmm. It's just a dozen other right. Christian shows. The exact same format. They want
2: that. They want that faith-based money,
0: though. You know that. They want that. that they, they want that uh, touched by an audience. Right, I mean, they
2: have they the exact audience. same
1: format of the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, maybe they're not familiar. The uh, manifest and God, friended me is not. But they are at least familiar with um, the previous ones. Eli
0: Stone. Which
1: is the exact same thing. Do
0: you know why, by the way, God Friended Me reminds you so much of Eli Stone? Did you see the pedigree? it's the exact same story? It's the same, same producer. It's Greg Berlini's show. So he's just mm-hmm. redoing the same show. Well, it's basically uh, touched by God.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's by God. It's Eli Stone with social media. It's Eli Stone with social media.
0: It's Eli Stone with social media. Instead A- of absolutely. having
1: illusions, uh, he's getting texts and uh, Facebook friend requests. Which is weird. Why? Who uses Facebook? And then, they, <laughs> and then they have a, a, a comment in that episode, too, like, "Oh, you're on Tinder? Who uses Tinder? Everyone uses Bumble these days. So, <laughs> shut up. Just, just, they're trying to be,
0: like, it Yeah, of the moment. And that, No, you're not. You're not at all. So, stop. I did find it interesting that they actually evidently cut a deal with Facebook because they actually had the real Facebook <laughs> interface. Which is
1: ironic because no one uses uh, Facebook anymore.
0: Uh, I use Facebook, but I won't.
2: If you want challenging kind Of religious siege television, the leftovers would be the one to do it. It's the artier, uh, kind of more oblique. Yeah, I don't know. Did any of you guys see that show?
0: In the I show? watched Thank the you. first batch of episode of season one. You weren't and, impressed. And I was like, well, it's got Damon Lindelof, which inclines me to bail on the show. Really? And yeah, because uh, I thought he he did not stick the ending of Lost. Mm, mm, um, that's true. One thing I did like about uh, friend or God, is it God friended Godfriended Me. me, or? me. Godfriended yeah. Me. I want to say, by God." Yeah. <laughs> now, we can we can record Dela Reese's theme song. Touch my name <laughs> when you're surfing the web. It's, it's more like
1: God creeped on me. God God's socially social network stalked me. Uh-huh. It's Oh boy, it's incessant. It's not. There's no free free will in this show. Mm-hmm. That's what it irritates me. I mean, neither one of them. One, it's they hear voices until they go crazy, and they have to do what the voices tells them mm-hmm. to. And then God friended me. It's like. Oh, it's so annoying. God keeps friend requesting me over and over. So I guess mm-hmm. I have to do what He says. The
0: um, like really, that's <laughs> I. I felt what block? No, God. Yeah, no
1: block, no deleting <laughs> the app, no just turning your phone off. It's a hoax. No, well, no. The
0: fact that, that God hacks his computer mm-hmm. and won't, you know, and right. and deletes his uh, presentation for but serious <laughs> yeah no. They, 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 the, the main character has, the main character is a PK who's lost his faith because uh-huh. his mom his mom beats cancer and mm-hmm. then get and then dies in a car accident on the way home from the mm-hmm. hospital mm-hmm. which is why he doesn't go to church anymore mm. his dad is played by Joe Morton Emmy Award winner for uh, playing uh, Papa Pope on scandal right and then his sister's a bar his younger sisters a bartender and then he's the in the first episode he's assigned to to friend Two people, the first guy he friends, he happens to see the guy, and the guy's had a really bad day, and is, is contemplating jumping in front of a train. That's supposed to be funny, Nate. It's not supposed to be I'm funny, Nate! I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to tell just, your parents. I just,
2: no, I was reading something And you'll else. never guess. Right, re-
1: right after he saves him, he looks at him and says, I think you just saved my what were, you, what were you
2: reading? I now? was reading the, <laughs> just reading the one, one line synopsis of the show on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, and then just laughed. I'm sorry, it just came out at the re- wrong re- time. Now you got you to read. An, it. An, you atheist, can't an atheist's life is transformed when God friends him on Facebook. Yep. Now I would appreciate this show more if it stuck to like a super minimalist aesthetic of like unfriended or searching, where it's just yeah. a computer. <laughs> no,
0: it's not just a computer. <laughs>
2: him trying to like escape from God through the internet, but ah,
1: No, it's like it's one of those shows where uh, God's profile icon on Facebook is Is a cloud, cloud. and then it pops up on his phone, and there's the exact same cloud falling around. So you know, pillar
2: of smoke, right? A pillar of smoke. Because you know,
1: why would you need faith when why would why would you need faith when you can just have God prove He's true by in affecting your computer and why would you need free will when he can just force you to do what he wants by changing or, your programs and or nag you to keep doing what or he wants. nagging you Look, like a toddler
2: I appreciate a sincere attempt to try and, you know, infuse uh, our As culture the, with any kind of religious discussion. It feels like though we're so Post modern or post Christian or
1: whatever that we can't take it seriously anymore. It's because it's you not know? a sincere attempt. It's, it's not, again, I'm gonna go back to cynicism. I, and I don't care. It's mm-hmm. money. They know that there yeah. is an audience for this. So you Just saw like, right
0: through. Well, the, the, the there's fact there's no that it's in mm-hmm. "Touched by an Angel's" old time slot. I Yeah, I mean, they're not fooling themselves about what it's like. It's basically the younger hipper. If "Touched by an Angel," Joan of Arcadia, and Eli Stone had a love child, it would be,
3: friended, oh, friended
0: by God. Or sorry, God friended me. Right.
3: Oh, I don't know. That's a shame. The, the
0: cast is appealing. I will give them that. Mm-hmm. I just wish it had a monicum of narrative complexity. It's just so like like Ryan is saying. It's just so overly simplistic and obvious. It's There's, not challenging anyone. Yeah, it's it's no silence. That's for sure.
1: It's all all it's doing is reinforcing people's pre-established beliefs. Mm. No one that's not a Christian is going to watch that show and think about
2: anything. Just like that uh, Living Biblically show that, uh, oh, that
0: nobody watched. That
1: nobody watched.
2: Really? Johnny Galecki
0: produced show that lasted like two
1: seconds last season. Yeah, yeah. The only modicum of uh, inspiration I get from faith or religion in television, mm. and I, I acknowledge the contrivance in this as well, but I, I allow it, I, I accept it, is in reality TV. When mm. I'm watching The Voice... Or when I'm watching like uh, some of a show like that, and they're talking about their faith because Mark Burnett's the producer, so they allow that mm-hmm. to come through, and it is just as contrived. But at least the emotions from those people are real, and they feel sincere.
0: So. Do you know what show dealt with faith has dealt with faith really well? The new Queer Eye on Netflix. Yes, absolutely. They had, they had an episode, season one and season two. Yeah, where their 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 projects for the week for each of those shows was uh, the first one was a. a Christian dad and mm-hmm. his ha- house, and then uh, two season two, it was a Christian woman. That's one of the reasons yeah. why they changed it. They dropped for the straight guy, mm. but there was such, there was such redemption and love yes. and wow. top. I mean, it was just amazing because the um, the woman was she Georgia? Was she living in Georgia? Somewhere right. somewhere I mean, in the southeast, mm-hmm. but basically. Her church needed a new rec center. that They had a big out, neighborhood outreach. And also, her son had uh, returned home, but he's gay. And there were issues between him and family members and the church and whatnot. But there was such healing and just an hour of TV and the love and the acceptance everybody showed to each other. It was just... Yeah. Really redemptive, for lack of a better word.
1: They've had episodes where they talk about race as well. They That that show, spectacular. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know what it is about reality TV. Maybe it's just that they're real people that, that I can. I'm impacted by those narratives, even when I know they're contrived, because they're actual real people. It's not someone writing, like, hmm. oh, you know, it would be good if God decided to friend someone on Facebook. Like, that. Is, is, relates nothing to my life but someone that's been through something that's had a hard time and that has found peace through god you see that in in their story you're you're getting um uh their their testament basically mm. in these interviews for these reality shows their their story and i don't, i think that's far more powerful than any of these faith-based narratives uh
0: did either of you get a chance to catch uh, Young Sheldon from last Thursday? Yeah, that irritated me, too. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it did? <laughs> yes, it did. I didn't. I want to hear your take, Tom, because I, I, I know would, you're I was your... really impressed that, I mean, it's, I'm really enjoying Young Sheldon just in terms of, it's kind of like the Wonder Years, but with, you know, a boy genius instead of, and he grows up to be, you know, Jim Parsons. I guess my problem is that it's like, it's like
1: a half dozen other shows. I mean it's like speechless but uh, he's smart instead of in a wheelchair or it's like the Goldbergs but it's not in the 80s it's it's these family it is in the 80s oh, it's, oh yes, it is. but it's not as it's not as distinctly it's 80s. Not, yeah it's exactly a, I've ridiculous. only seen this one episode and it's it's not very
0: but I thought that they dealt with I mean obviously it's a sitcom so they're not trying to go incredibly deep but just the fact that they were willing to scratch the surface that you know uh, the mom Mary Cooper who they've in big bang theory they just completely use her as for laughs and you know cheap cheap humor mm-hmm. but on the in young sheldon they get some mileage out of the fact that you know the the texas pastor you know has dog, says dogmatic things from the pulpit and young Sh- sheldon's willing to challenge him but in this one a family friend's daughter is killed in a tragic car accident and it shakes mary's faith where she basically starts kind of acting uncharacteristically like you know i don't you know sleeps in and the, the dad has to make breakfast and the kids are like, can you even make breakfast? <laughs> um, and then she goes out drinking with her mom, which is like... And mm. I thought it was interesting that they were showing that there is a dark side to faith, which is doubt. And that's, you know... I Would you agree with me on this point, Ryan? That of the three shows we've discussed so far... Young Sheldon dealt a little bit more realistically with a character reacting to an event than the other two shows.
1: Yeah, the reaction to the the event, the initial reaction, yes. But the contrivances of the narratives were just as bad. and that we have this situation, and and because it's a sitcom, uh, I know that her faith is going to be restored by the end of the thirty minutes, and mm-hmm. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with uh, someone's questioning their faith being wrapped up that quickly and that neatly in between one-liners. That, that's irritating to me. I'm sorry, but I don't... That didn't, I mean, that's
0: part of the sitcom format. Exactly, so. and I don't
1: think that maybe it's just not an appropriate format for heavier topics such as that. Mm. That's just my personal opinion. It didn't, it didn't feel like they did it justice because they were trying too quickly to... Get her to a place where she's questioning, but then back to where she comes full circle, yeah. Yeah. while
0: also having the humor. I mean, sitcoms are traditionally renowned for. By the end of twenty-two minutes, you must right. return to stasis. And yeah. you,
1: you, you know, teach Absolutely.
0: writing
2: and structure and all that. So it was a well-constructed episode, is what you're saying. Yeah, that it was, was well-constructed. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't
1: you're like. Just I soft, I enjoy really. certain sick I enjoy sitcoms, but I don't look to sitcoms for that. Mm. I that's just not. I look for something deeper. But the
2: sitcom audience also has to be fed. Spiritually. But I don't think that
1: that's the purpose of the sitcom though. I think that we 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 look to sitcoms to one to comfort ourselves, to to because to, to, there's the familiarity of this the structure that we know everything's gonna be wrapped up neatly by the end. And there's also uh caricatures in sitcoms. Mm. And I think we can relate to that that you know, I talked about this with my students that all the friends characters have flaws and they're glaring flaws. But we love them anyway, and we can love ourselves. Oh, except for Ross. Oh, you don't. Know but some <laughs> someone out there loves Ross. Um, Matt I. I'm loving him a little more on Will and Grace, but that's off topic. Yeah. Um. But yeah, my point is that I think that we can we can love the characters because, despite their flaws, we still like them, and so when we have those flaws as well, we can learn to love ourselves. I think that's the kind of a therapeutic uh, uh, element of sitcom. But that needs for, the characters need to be somewhat caricatures, and and the structure needs to be very formulaic, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that feeds itself to bigger issues. And for me, a loss of faith is a huge issue,
0: and I feel like it just... Did you ever see the Family Ties episode where Alex Keaton, played by Michael J. Fox, is really, he goes into, it's basically Michael J. Fox and the therapist's voice because one of his good friends has died. Uh-huh. And he kind of de- they they cover a range of issues,
1: yeah, but my that that was that was bold that was daring. The reason why I would say that's somewhat different is because humor took very much more backseat in that episode. This is true, and in this episode, it was like every time we would get into the heavy stuff, they would have to throw us a one-liner. Like, they wouldn't let it get bogged down. They wouldn't, let it, it. They wouldn't let it just sit. Yeah, and that's... Uh, my problem with Manifest is they it was way too melodramatic. They oh. made it far heavier than it needed to be. My problem with, with, with Young Sheldon is they tried to lighten up an issue which I don't think it, it did it justice to lighten it up. Um, So maybe it... I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's... Okay. My favorite... Uh, consideration of, of religion in a comedy and it's not heavy is when Kimmy, uh, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, when she considers religion I thought that was a thoughtful episode because it had me thinking but also laughing and never like made me feel like they were trying to make me cry it wasn't forcing emotions on me, the emotions I felt were natural I could laugh and think at the same time like in many satires can do but having you laugh and cry at the same time is a far harder thing to I don't
0: think Young Sheldon
1: succeeded for me.
0: The um, What's kind of interesting, did anybody see Here and Now when it, when it was on? I watched HBO's? the
1: like that's
0: it. I watched the whole thing. It was interesting. It, it never, it, well, it's, it's never going to go anywhere because right. the ratings were terrible. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of fascinating that even some of the superhero shows like Netflix's Daredevil and Luke Cage and CW's Black Lightning have made Faith part of the canvas of the characters' backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Daredevil's uh, Ostensibly a lapsed Catholic who still goes in to talk to his priest from time to time, Father Lantham. Mm. Uh, Luke Cage's father is a minister. And uh, season two, that played Reggie Caffey, who just passed from cancer earlier this year, played um, played the uh, Reverend Lucas. And then on Black Lightning, uh, one of his do- one of Jefferson Pierce's daughter jokes that his nickname in the neighborhood before she knows he's Black Lightning was Black Jesus. So it's kind of interesting that uh, there are organic ways to incorporate faith in characters' backgrounds, and it may not take a front uh, it may not be this the focal point of a specific episode. It's just texture and color for the character's backgrounds. We've got other shows coming up. Um, HBO just greenlit a series with John Goodman and Danny McBride. I forget the name, but it's about a bunch of televangelists and, I don't know, Danny McBride works in very small doses for me, and yeah. I don't expect there to be any serious content in this HBO <laughs> thing.
2: Just the the hair, the dress, the mannerisms.
3: Yeah, yeah, just like,
0: like, oh, yeah, we're fun. gonna
2: have fun with this. But it seems like a sketch just dressed up. Yeah, out, so.
0: yeah. And then yeah. TNT has greenlit a show called Raised by Wolves from Scott Free, Ridley mm-hmm. Scott's production company. And the whole premise is that androids are raising human children on a planet. And one of the things they have to do is deal with issues of faith and religion in trying to bring these kids up. Mm-hmm. And I'll, Okay, I, yeah, that's I'll pretty be, far it, out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, that's just so crazy. Yeah. I might watch to see what you do with it. Yeah. Uh, Sir Ridley's television has been much more interesting than his films of late, so mm-hmm. <laughs> that's worth mm-hmm. a worth a gander. Do you think this trend – is it something that that programmers, that networks and uh, – do you think they're doing it for cynical business reasons or do you think it's because it is a natural reaction to people's spiritual hunger?
1: Business.
2: <laughs>
3: spiritual hunger <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what do you say
0: you're the tiebreaker Tom <laughs> Um I think be a it's little a, from column A a little from column B yeah I think it's a little bit of both mm-hmm. Um, obviously the HBO thing is more ooh Danny McBride probably says I want to do a show about televangelists because <laughs> yeah. they I don't yeah. get him I mean I've seen him mm-hmm. in stuff I like but I tried to watch Vice Principals and I'm just like yeah no mm-hmm. and I think he was you. wasn't he in something before Vice Principals yeah he was an HBO Eastbound show, Eastbound and Down. Eastbound yeah. and down. Yeah. I just oh, don't Jody get Hill. why he keeps doing shows for. Them. It's like, I don't think he's that funny. I,
1: I mean, mean, him and Jody Hill came up together, was a way that that was how he got big. They both, yeah. So they're going to continue to work with each other. It's like, and do they have that relationship? Do they have
0: naked pictures of somebody at HBO? And, I Eastbound and Down was
1: a it was a, a at least had a cult following not popular people that watch that show
0: love that show And that thing was on for a while too three seasons wow i just i don't know some of it i think that <sighs> i just wish manifest was a better show <laughs> and i i think the problem is too where are they going are they going to say oh the plane went to heaven for 10 years and then came back to earth
1: that was my thing is that mm-hmm. the, the way the show is set up They can't answer the question that they've raised. And
0: that's problematic.
1: The main mystery of the show, if they answer it, then they're they're questioning Then the show's over. Yeah. So they can't. So they've set up with their trailers that there's a mystery like Lost. And we all know how that goes. When you have a mystery that you're not going to satisfyingly answer, people will stop stop watching. They'll get irritated. But it feels like they're not even interested in answering it. It feels like they, they can't be.
0: Yeah. I just... I don't know. It's inter- It's it's well produced. But, but I, the I,
1: audience, the, when you have a trailer that says it's this mystery, and then you watch hmm. it and you realize, no, it's not, you really think the audiences are going to be not feel cheated by that?
0: I don't disagree with you. I feel, I was bored with episode two, to be
1: frank. I didn't watch episode two. Yeah, That's how well, I felt about episode you, one.
0: You, you, you won't <laughs> like episode two because I was mm. bored by and it. And
1: I didn't get through all of episode one of God Friended Me. Halfway through it, I knew how it was in the end, and I didn't feel the need. And you talked Are about you it, and I was absolutely right.
0: Of course, I mean, it, so but again, so it's so structured. I just wish. What could you imagine if um, somebody, like a Wim Wenders or Martin mm-hmm. Scorsese's you know, Martin Scor- or or Christoph, Skl- somebody brought film cinematic sensibilities to a yeah. TV series that dealt with issues of faith seriously? not spoon feeding the audience, but asked difficult questions.
1: It has to be HBO though, or Netflix, because other that's stations the thing is, are willing to make those, take those risks
0: still. Here and now, one of the things that was fascinating about Here and Now is I think that's one of the most positive and complex portrayals of a Muslim family we've seen on mm-hmm. broad, or on television, period. And the fact that the father was not practicing, but the mother and the son were. And that was one of the things that brought tension to their marriage. And yet the father was having these divine encounters and couldn't – and was having an, a hard time trying to figure them out because he had lost his faith. Mm-hmm. And just that tension – I mean, it didn't work a lot, but when it – it was it was a fascinating failure. See, mm-hmm. that's
1: what I'm saying. Like, they – Almost the same plot structure, but they're willing to take risks to where you're not watching an episode and like, oh, I know how this episode's going to end.
0: But again, that had no audience, numbers-wise. Which is why... Whereas Godfriended Me and Manifest are big hits. Which is why you're like, what,
1: what if we had one of these directors? It won't happen. Because they're going to go for the base audience. They're going to dumb it down for the largest number mm. of people.
2: I want to know more about the creator of Manifest, though, Jeff Rake. I don't know anything about his um, who he is or what motivated him to make this series. I mean, if it's just a purely, you know, just a pure cash cash grab I, I don't thing, think or whether... it's
0: just a pure cash grab. Because... I think no, I think yeah. the
2: green lighting
1: is what's the uh, pure cash grab. Yeah. I don't think that the people making the content mm. that they don't believe in. Obviously,
2: it. it's yeah.
1: I'm he not trying to write him to over the coals.
2: Wow. will be here all night, folks. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. I I don't uh, again, you know me. I don't watch a ton of TV. I'm very picky, but I like reading about what motivates people to start a show in the first place besides money, you know. Well, it's it's it, so
0: hard to get a show I mean, for, for them to buy your pilot, mm-hmm. shoot your pilot, yeah. pick up the show, and yeah. then for the show to continue because it's, people are actually watching it, yeah. I mean, the odds are stacked so far against you. It's true. But uh, I guess that's the frustrating thing is you want to, as, as somebody who believes similarly as some of these shows, at least some of the people behind these shows do, mm-hmm. and yet when the execution is so hammer-fisted It's mm. just like, oh come on. Mm.
2: Seriously. Well, I think we're I mean, the great a great, uh, you know, religious themed or Christian television series is probably yet to be written. I mean, it's it's coming though because I think people, I mean, these are like You think so? Tremors, I think it, I think so. I, I think don't. someone will finally kind of put it all together, you know, and have the kind of artistic integrity, uh, you know, with the um you know, combined with the issues that people are hungering for, because I, I still think there is a hunger for it.
1: Obviously, I mean, I'm doubtful something... because I can't even I can't even think of a, a a film example that crosses both boundaries,
0: and it's far easier with film than TV. I would mm. say I can tell I can you that uh, Indivisible, which comes out in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, Cheryl McKay Price, one of our adjunct professors mm. in screenwriting, uh, was one of the writers on it. And it's based on a true story of an army chaplain who comes back from uh, from Afghanistan with PTSD, and they went to dark places. Mm-hmm. As in, I mean, I don't want to spoil it. I want people to go out and see the movie. But I was surprised for a faith-based film made by you know, made by people who believe as we do here at Azusa Pacific, they were willing to go to some dark places. So the redemption on the other side feels real. Because of the things he does, his wife's realistic response, and it's a true story. And the real-life family cooperated. And what was what was interesting is at the end of the film, they reveal that he's still on active duty. <laughs> you know, he stayed in the mm. army, despite all these horrific experiences that uh, he saw and underwent, and the fact that it almost cost him his marriage and his family. So it can be done. And, and thankfully, as we start the law of averages is kind of an effect because there is more faith-based content coming out. People, the technique is starting to get better and the story selection is getting better. And especially with when they're basing it on real life stories where they can't stray too far from the truth without offending the the actual people, there's potential for some great stories to be told.
1: I'm not saying it's not getting better. I say it is getting better, but I, It'll be different when I'm able to judge the film is not in a vacuum. Every every faith based film is in a vacuum, so I'm comparing it to, for a faith based film, it's never like oh this is as good as there. Hmm. Silence. I get that
2: feeling too. Silence
1: yeah. is like you know artistic, yeah. makes you think, hmm. and it doesn't cross over. And then you've got those faith based ones are mm-hmm. like. Or a faith-based movie, this is actually kind of mm-hmm. edgy. For a faith-based <laughs> movie, you have to say for a faith-based movie, though. Right, right. Where you wouldn't say that with silence, but you also wouldn't get most Christians to watch it. Right. And you didn't. Or most of Hollywood to watch it, either. <laughs> most <right>? of anyone. <laughs> most of anybody.
2: Yeah. yeah, it is a shame. So maybe we are at kind of an impasse. You just have to decide what kind of film or TV show you want to make and what people you want to reach, and that's that's what dictates the content. So, I, I mean, really, the, the kinds of... Um, folks we sometimes encounter online because, Tom, we kind of run in certain <laughs> circles. It's, there's still, I mean, we're still, there's a good mix of people who are still thinking in terms of like 20 years ago mm-hmm. and those who are trying to break free from that and really struggling against that. Uh, because when they finally do try and do something truthful and, art, and artistic, it, it gets rejected by the audience that they want to reach. So Usually because it's terrible. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> true. <terrible.
0: laughs> Anyhow, well. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. You're Absolutely. Welcome. Any fuzzy any, <laughs> any <laughs> words? Preview coming attractions.
1: It is October.
2: I uh, am I...
0: looking forward to First Man so much. Mm-hmm. Hey, can
1: I briefly say that I saw uh, Widows this past weekend? Ooh. Early, early award buzz. Yeah. And I saw Beautiful Boy. Right. Um, Beautiful Boy is heavy, heavy, yeah. heavy. That's what I hear. Um, not sure how I feel about that one. Um, um, Widows is like a Steve McQueen movie. You got to think about it. It's... Not your typical heist film, but hmm. Violet Davis kills it again. Nice. He always kills it. Yeah. Looking forward to that one.
2: Of course, the only movie for me is the uh, finished Orson Welles film that he started 45 years ago. <laughs> right? so, uh, anyway. you to have to tell us what you, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're yeah. bad after you yeah. see that. Absolutely. Talk about a small sliver of you know, <laughs> synophilia yeah. there. But anyway, good stuff. Yeah. It's fall. There are going to be some good movies coming out. So
0: Yay. stick with us here. About time.